0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 82 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Following on from last week, today I'm talking about autumn preparations and looking at the sugar syrup I use to feed my bees through the autumn to help them get through to next spring. short and sweet. A beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper in fact just like me. It's been another busy week here in Norfolk and I'm spending a bit more of my time at the workshop sorting out replacement floors for my colonies prior to them settling down for this winter. It's not so much the floors that need sorting rather the Varroa inserts. I wonder how many of you out there are a little bit like me in that you have a range of kit none of which is standard and so specific bits of equipment are not interchangeable. The main point of my focus this week has been setting up floors in preparation for December's oxalic acid treatments and in order to carry out the treatment I need to insert the Varroa boards beneath my open mesh floors. You'd think this would be quite a simple task really, grab a board and slide it home, but no over the years I've acquired a range of equipment bought at sales been given some stuff too, and of course none of the manufacturers make to the exact same specifications. So specifically looking at floors, I have inserts that will fit, for example, an Economy Thorns floor, but that board is too small for a mazemore open mesh floor. And the board that fits the maysemore open mesh floor is way too big for the floors I was given recently by a beekeeper who was retiring. Now last year Pete and I walked around the apiaries and measured the floors in use and cut new Varroa inserts for them all. We've used 5mm plywood which works great. Some of the floors I have came with plastic Corex inserts and over the years these have simply degraded and crumbled so we needed to replace some of those inserts anyway. All of the floor inserts were numbered and I managed to get some plastic numbers to staple onto the floors too. Only we didn't actually get round to stapling the numbers onto the floors. I know, I only have myself to blame. Well, actually, I have Pete and Steph to blame. But I take full responsibility, of course, and promise to do better this year. And so with that in mind, and add to that, that we carried out the usual spring cleaning and replaced most of the floors, and the situation has become quite confused. And that's uh, really a polite way of describing the muddle that I find myself in. It's obviously time to take action though and it's no good waiting until December when we actually want to treat with the ProVac Boxalic Acid Sublimator and end up with a truckload of plywood inserts that just don't seem to fit anything and waste lots of time offering up each size to the rear of the floors to see which one might fit. It's not really how I want to spend my December days at all. So this week I've been getting organised. We're going to visit each apiary site in turn and swap out each floor, as if it were a spring clean, with a newly scraped, scorched, painted and numbered floor. Each one has been assigned a ply insert, which has been numbered accordingly. It's so simple, you'll be wondering why I didn't do it last year. Well, that was indeed my intention, but I do tend to get a little distracted, as you may be aware. Talking of distractions, I'm taking part in a challenge to cycle 300 miles during the month of September along with lots of other people in aid of Cancer Research UK. 300 miles might not seem a long way, but when you've been away from cycling as long as I have, it's a good little challenge to have. I've not advertised the fundraising aspect as I wanted it as a personal challenge really, but I will be making a personal donation to Cancer Research UK to thank them for their encouragement and the obvious good work that they do. If you do fancy chipping in a pound or two, check out the link in the podcast notes but honestly, there's no pressure. If all goes well, I may well set myself a cycling fundraiser for next year, so stay tuned for that one. Anyway, distractions aside, I'm all set for the first apiary visit to swap out these floors, and at this time of the year I wouldn't normally be swapping out floors, leaving it rather until spring, but I do need to get these inserts sorted quickly. I don't intend carrying out many more inspections. All of the colonies appeared mostly queen right at the last inspections, although there are probably five or six colonies I will double check on for a variety of reasons. My main focus now is getting feed into the hives to see the colonies through to next spring. Once I've swapped out the first apiary site, I'll take the old floors back to the workshop, give them a clean and a scorch, a fresh lick of paint. I'm using a pale sage masonry paint at the moment, mostly because it was on offer, but it coats the floors really well, will give some much-needed protection over the winter. Once that's sorted we'll be working through the plywood rectangles to find the right size for each floor and start the process of numbering and swapping out again. One issue we will no doubt come up against is the fact that we're also using some new floors that we weren't using last year so they won't have an insert pre-cut. To preempt this I've got some sheets of five millimetre ply ready at the workshop and Pete standing ready with his table saw and tape measure in hand. Hopefully we can get another batch sorted and ready to swap out on the same day. With any luck, we should have it all completed by the end of next week. We also have a lot of colonies currently in nuke boxes ready for overwintering. I was tempted to swap them out into full-sized hives, but I want to see how they progress in the BS Honey 2-in-1 nukes. These are all set up as 6-frame nukes now, with one exception which remains two three-frame nukes with a divider down the middle. One slight challenge I have found with the BS Honey 2-in-1 nukes is the ability of the Corex divider to warp and buckle and therefore not precisely fit into the slot in the feeder or the roof and separate the two sides. This means that the roof gets pushed up a little and the bees are continually propolising the gap. I think I have mentioned this before and the solution I've come up with is swapping out the Corex Divider with a plywood version. It's worked so far but it does create another issue in that the Corex Divider is flexible which makes it easy to remove whereas the Ply Divider is rock solid and makes removing it a tad more challenging. I'm sure I'll work it out eventually. Anyway, the one remaining 2-in-1 3 frame box may have two Queenwright Colonies but when I last checked I had some doubts as to whether one of them might be a drone layer. I'll be checking again this weekend and if she's okay I'll be using her in a queenless colony that stands next door. It's a double Maysmore poly commercial hive that ended up with a drone laying queen a couple of weeks ago. If it turns out she's also a drone layer then we'll bring a queen right colony over and unite them with the maze more poly hive ready for winter. In other news, I've been tidying up the number one apiary at the fishing lakes. This was my very first apiary at the fishing lakes and has been overrun with brambles this year. It's always hard work trying to clear out an apiary when there are still beehives in place, so we've moved all but two colonies and intend moving the last two this week. Once empty, the apiary can be given a really good clean out, nettles and brambles cut back, grass cut and old pallets removed. Some of the pallets have been here from day one and are past their best. I think they'll probably be destined for the bonfire this year. I'm so lucky at this site as the fisheries manager is also a mean tractor driver and has cut a really nice new path through the brambles into the apiary for me so that I can get my truck completely into the enclosed site. It's surrounded by brambles and trees and you'd probably not even notice it was there. Well apart from the tyre tracks and now the big hole in the brambles but it will make life a lot easier in getting bees in and out, not to mention the enormous crop of honey that we're going to get next year. I'm also going to be placing a new style of beehive in this apiary. Next week we're taking ownership of around 8 or 9 national 14 by 12 hives, complete with bees and they're all going to be located in this apiary. The national 14 by 12s are the same footprint as the standard national and commercial beehives, so they fit in quite nicely the difference being the brood box frame size. You've guessed it they measure 14 inches by 12 inches. Compared to the standard national frame which measures around eight and a half inches deep of course the top bar is the same measurement 14 inches it's just the depth that varies and it gives a much larger brood area than that of the standard national brood frame. I'm looking forward to showing you these hives on video just as soon as I can. There is of course a lot of work to do before we get to that stage and I've just reminded myself that the apiary needs to be sorted before next Wednesday which only gives me around four or five days. Maybe swapping out all the floors by the end of next week might not happen after all. Remember what I said about me getting distracted? Here's another example of just that. Oh well, I'll get done what I can and the rest will just have to wait. I mentioned right at the start I was going to talk about what I've fed my bees in the past and what I'm feeding my bees this autumn and why? Well I suspect like a lot of people when I started beekeeping there was really only one way to get extra feed into the bees and that was to make up some sugar syrup myself. Over the years various bee feeds have appeared on the market and I've used quite a few. The convenience of having syrup ready-made not only saves a lot of time it also prevents the kitchen from becoming a wash with sticky sugar syrup that just seems to go everywhere once spilled and i always seem to spill it for the beginner beekeeper or for someone with just a couple of hives making up your own syrup is quick and convenient and with the current price of sugar being so low it's very affordable too but if you have to make up hundreds of litres of the stuff unless you have facilities that allow you to do just that it's far easier to have it shipped in ready made and stored in easy to handle containers. But what do you feed in the autumn? You'll hear beekeepers talking of light syrups and heavy syrups, inverted syrups, syrups with a variety of additives or homemade recipes with all manner of natural ingredients such as garlic and nettles to name just two. As with every other topic in beekeeping there are as many answers as there are beekeepers and for the most part each one will work with a varying degree of success. It's down to the individual beekeeper to find a feeding regime that works for them and their bees, but for what it's worth, here's my contribution. And to start with, this week I want to keep things really simple. And let's face it, beekeeping is really quite simple at its basic level. The beekeeping year starts around now, that's August and September, where we prepare the colonies for winter. Treatments installed where needed and colonies fed to give them enough food for the winter. We've talked about treating so now it's time to talk about feeding. Staying with the simple theme there are two types of feed basically, light syrup and heavy syrup. I was always told to feed light syrup in spring and heavy syrup in the autumn but only if needed. If you've decided to leave a super full of honey on your hive then you may not need to feed at all but that's for another conversation. So what's the difference between light syrup and heavy syrup? Well again sticking with the basics We're talking about water content. Light syrup has more water in it than heavy syrup. It's as simple as that. Now we get to the complicated matters. How much more or less water is in both? Light syrup is normally thought of as a one-to-one ratio of sugar to water and heavy syrup a ratio of two-to-one sugar to water. But hang on Stuart, I hear you cry. Do you mean by volume or by weight? Some old chap at the bee group was going on about so many grams per pint and thus we get drawn into technical discussions about metric and imperial measurements, volume versus weight and whether we should be adding lemon juice to invert the sugar too. The beginner beekeeper finds that their head begins to spin as personal preferences get voiced and discussions ensue. But let's keep it simple. If you took a kilo of sugar and mixed it with a litre of warm water and called it light sugar syrup and fed it to your bees, I don't think your bees would argue with you. They would gather the syrup, take it into the brood box or whatever kit you're using, and they would use it or store it. Likewise, if you took a kilo of sugar and mixed it with around five to six hundred mils of slightly hotter water until it was all dissolved and called it heavy sugar syrup, fed that to your bees again. I don't think your bees will turn their noses up at it and very cute noses our bees have too. Given that it's autumn it would make sense to feed the heavy syrup and the reason for this has always been that the bees have less water to evaporate in order to reduce the syrup down to a water content that will allow it to be stored without fermenting. This was how I started feeding my bees all those years ago and for the most part I don't ever remember the bees complaining or becoming unwell or not building up the following spring. I did, however, manage to kill far more bees by not feeding enough or by allowing them to starve than I ever did by feeding them some form of sugar syrup. So if you're in any doubt about what or if you should feed your bees, make up some heavy sugar syrup and feed them. You could do far more harm by not feeding them than by procrastinating about what you might feed them and then not feeding them at all. It takes no time at all to pop to the local shop, buy some granulated sugar And mix up some sugar syrup. Once you start to research feeding bees sugar syrup, you'll find all manner of recipes. In the good old bad old days, I would make up syrup using a two pound bag of sugar to one pint of water. And if you do the conversion, then two pounds of sugar is around 907 grams, and one pint of water is 568 millilitres. I checked on Google, so I hope those figures are correct. So if you grab a bag of sugar, which is a kilo, and mix with about 500 mils of water, you're not going to be far off that old measurement. I think most beekeepers now work to mix one kilo of sugar to 600 mils of water, but honestly the jug I have measures just over 500 mils and filling it to the brim with much more water is likely to end in a spillage. I guess I'm adding around 550 to 600 mils, but I'm really not measuring it so carefully to be certain. This gives a heavy syrup which while super saturated with sugar is not quite at the point that it will granulate out of solution. If you reduce the water content below this the sugar will granulate quite rapidly in the feeder so if you're guesstimating add a little more water rather than less water. The important thing to remember is feeding your bees something is far better than not feeding at all. Next week I'll continue the sugar syrup theme and talk a little bit more in depth about sugar syrups and commercial syrups that I've used and let you know how the move of the new 14 by 12 colonies went don't forget to catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the continually growing content list on my patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash norfolk honey have a great beekeeping week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet